cool thing. I'm and a as pro a priest, man bun. I know you are. I know you are. You were not like pro Viking. I was man not bun. pro Viking. I know. Yeah. You Which were. I feel like it's my duty to be as, honest. Yeah, uh, I appreciate as a woman that. in your life to tell you <laughs> what I approve and disapprove. <laughs> You're listening to Lead Him to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's episode of Lead Him to Life. I missed you last week. Uh, my husband and I were on our retreat, and that is my excuse for not getting an episode out in time. Um, but every once in a while, I just need a little week to play catch up. Um, but I'm super excited. Father Cowles, finally, the day has come. Welcome to Lead Him to Life. Thank you very much, Emily. Okay, it's so Padre, good to be with you. introduce yourself. Who are you? Well, I'm, all the things. I'm the Viking Padre. You're the Viking Padre. So Viking Padre on Instagram. Yeah, I was. I You're, haven't been on Instagram you, for a while. Yeah, I was gonna say I haven't seen yeah, you around. I there. haven't been posting for a while. I kind of got off during the course of the fall just because a lot of things were being shared on there that was distracting. Um, and I just thought, you know, I sometimes I just gotta unplug and yeah, refocus. Like on, detox a little bit. Exactly. Yep. So I am the pastor of Our Lady of Guadalupe Parish in town. If you looked at me, you wouldn't imagine that I could speak Spanish. You look at me and be like. I can only imagine a country accent coming yes, out of that priest 100%. or him sounding like he came from Scandinavia or yeah. Ireland or Scotland, but I actually speak Spanish decently most You're of the time. You're pretty good. Yeah. Well, That's it depends on the day. I ask your people sometimes. I'm oh, like, you, how's you his do. Spanish coming along? <laughs> so and they're like, funny thing with that, <laughs> there are moments when I'm thinking like during the mass, like, oh, my Spanish is so good. I'm doing awesome. And then my tongue locks up. Ugh. And the Lord is basically reminding me, who gave you that Spanish again? That was definitely not you. That was me. Yep. So, I, yeah, he he keeps me humble, which is Have good. Have you started dreaming in Spanish? Only when I'm around it kind of nonstop will I dream in Spanish mm. or when I'm sick. Mm -hmm. um, and th those are really trippy, like, dreams. So I don't, really like, trippy I, don't like having, I don't like having those sick dreams. And that's not saying I don't like dreaming in Spanish. I'm okay with that. But, it, yep. yeah, it's a little freaky. Yep. Okay, and and I just have to throw out too. You um, presided over at presided over Matt and I's wedding mass, which and was awesome. Have been yeah, Such just great gift. friends of ours for a long time. So oh my gosh, yeah, Emily, um, you and Matt, it's it's been so much fun walking with the two of you. Yeah, from the moment that you, the two of you started to date together, and I remember you hearing, were there for that. Yeah, I was because yeah. I was thinking, who is this Matt guy? Yeah. I need to meet him and yeah. find out if You're he like is good little... enough for Emily. <laughs> And then I met Matt and I was like, is Emily good enough for Matt? I'm not <laughs> yes, sure about that's this. That's so true. That's so true. And I continued to walk. And I remember even we were at one of the youth retreats and Matt was talking to me. And this isn't the promise. This isn't seal of confession any stuff. Okay, yeah. But he was saying, when do I propose? Because oh. he was asking and questioning at that moment in time. I don't think I have yeah. ever heard this. So this was the third um, meeting that we had for the youth retreat. And we were out on a walk and hiking and he's like, I don't know if I'm ready yet or what's going on. I was like, Matt, pull the trigger. You've discerned this. Yeah. You know this yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then it was only like a week later, I get a picture of the two of you at Broom Tree with you in the ring. And I'm like, good job, I Matt. Love it. I'm proud of you. I love it. Um, and then we did marriage prep and you got to try on my chainmail armor and do sword poses. Yes. And then you guys bought the most incredible marriage gift that I've ever received in my yeah. life. It's the best gift we've ever given. Go ahead. Um, you got me a kind of a, a simple replica broadsword. 
um, uh, very similar to like a claymore out of Scotland. And it hangs on my wall, and most of the kids are freaked out whenever they see it. I have no and idea what you just said, but I know that we got you an epic it's sword. It's <laughs> a big sword. A big sword. A big Scottish sword. Like, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, from Braveheart. Um, uh, the guy. The, yeah, thanks. The, the main guy. I just love With the long hair Lear, that's yeah, super attractive. The, yeah. Gosh, I'm just saying. <laughs> right? Um, Wallace. Uh, William Wallace. Okay. William Wallace. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You would describe this completely differently yeah, than, than comple- a guy would. Yeah, for You're like, sure. Yes, he's he's got long flowing hair and yeah. he's gorgeous. And I'd yeah, say and he got, uh, he's cool got big muscles and he's side. wearing a kilt <laughs> and he has a long sword. And you're like, he's just so cute <laughs> and rugged and like the five o'clock shadows just right. So true. This is so Gosh. true. I do not deny this. I do not deny it at all. Yeah, Matt and I went, I think we got it maybe at Shields. Because we were thinking like, okay, what do we get father just to thank you for really pouring into us and investing us in this time and like giving us the best marriage prep ever, blah, blah, blah. And we were like, we should probably get him a sword. <laughs> like that obviously <laughs> made sense, you know? So we're like, where do you get swords? We went to shields or something. And we're like, that one looks awesome. <laughs> you know? Which it does. Good. Now, since then, I've actually gotten a real sword of the same style. Really? I pulled it out last night for a confirmation students talking about confirmation and how there's similarities between the right of knighthood. Oh my gosh, the kids were like, is that really? Is that like, allowed in your church? Like, aren't sh- you supposed to be okay? I'm in charge of my church, okay? I'm in charge of my church. Dear and, Bishop, Father and came yes, with. <laughs> my bishop's also in charge. He's in charge of me. Um, but I think he's heard that I throw tomahawks and I have a yeah, broadsword. Yeah, it's probably fine. It's yeah. probably totally fine. Do you usually talk about like deep themes in like these conversations? Or are we just going to have fun? Yeah, we're just going to have fun. Awesome. I know. Yeah, I, I figured it. you could use a little break. Okay, actually, so I haven't caught up with you for a while. It's I know. kind of fun. It's been a while. Um, you need to come over and make us. I tried to make um chilaquiles. Oh, you did again the other night. It was not. I was like, nope, I'm not gonna do it again. Father needs to come back over and make it. It just wasn't as good. I just didn't do it right. I think I had the heat too high, so it scrambled the eggs rather than allowing the eggs to the saturate. Coat. Yep. Yep. To yep. Coat the chips. Like this was my mistake, but. Anyway, so I've been craving it. Don't so if you'd up, like to come back I, over and make yes. it for me, I would be really grateful. Okay, I great. Will. So has it become like a pregnancy food? Um, well, yeah, kind of. Because <laughs> I had never heard of it. And then you made it and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. And then I just started to think about it a lot. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Which I'll just happens have to, to package some for you. That in in milkshakes. I'm on like a chocolate milkshake kick right now. Very cool. Which is not going well for me. Um, okay, so I always, I feel like there's just different times where certain topics or certain people have come to my heart with um, things that are going on maybe in my life or whatever that I would like to have them on. And um, there was just kind of a a myriad of stars aligning that I just thought now is the time Um, I'd love to have Father Cowles on. And I kind of had messaged you, you know, like, what are you really passionate about? Because I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what the topic was. I had thrown out some ideas. And then you came back and talked about um, healing ministry and the work of Unbound. And I was like, yes, that's it. That is, that's totally why. And, and I think for such a time as this, especially in this season of Lent that we find ourselves in. So I really want to devote a lot of our conversation to that today. Um, And, and maybe a good place to start is what kind of got you interested in healing ministry or in, in a, better understanding of what it means for people to be bound or unbound, if you will, um, from attachments. 
That's a phenomenal question. I don't know if you have, I've ever gotten the chance to tell you this, Emily, I don't but think the so. reason I got into Unbound is because I received it. Really? Yeah. The very first time I, I really got into it is I received it while I was in seminary. Um, when I was getting prepared to be ordained a deacon, I had gotten off some medications I'd been using for anxiety. Mm-hmm. And as I got off those medications, um, anxiety came back in droves and I was terrified. Um, most people don't realize this, but I used to be horrified to be a public speaker, right. to get up in front of others and to speak and to just get outside my comfort zone because I was studying to be an engineer, a total um, introverted, yeah. um, kind of focused on what's most comfortable kind of thing. And in the midst of that time, I began to have panic attacks. I began to stay in my room, didn't want to go out, um, and began to even doubt becoming a deacon or a priest. And because it was so overwhelming. It was so overwhelming. I was terrified of all the unknowns and whether I could do it or not, and whether I could basically live up to the ideal of the priesthood that I had at that time. And I just kept on thinking, I can't do this. I, I know I have to challenge people um, as a priest, and they're not going to always like what I have to say. But at the same moment, um, I'm a people pleaser. Like, I don't want those conflicts. So I was just terrified by it. So I met with my spiritual director at that time, Father John Clockman, and he says, we need to attack this from all angles. So hmm. I began to see a counselor, which was a really good thing at that time. Yeah. Um, I began to uh, get back on the medications I was on, which aided kind of the levels to, to even out again uh, for the chemical imbalance part. Um, some of my friends really stepped up to the plate and really took an interest in helping me in my life. Father Nate Liberté and Father Jordan Sampson were mm. really there for me in that time mm-hmm. and really aided me to walk through that difficult moment in my life. But then in the spiritual direction side, he said, I think there's some, some attachments, some impediments. There's something in your soul that's bringing this terror and this fear to you, and I'm not sure what it is. So he passed on to me Neil Lozano's book called Unbound. And I read it voraciously. I just went through it and began to realize all of these areas where I had um, these lies that I believed and vows that I had made as a young child and that they were keeping me from being truly free. The big example of this, and it's a short but long story. Um, and mom, if you are listening to this, do not feel bad, okay? Amen. Um, so one of the days we're on our way to school and I'm like eight years old and my dad has high blood pressure at this time. And uh, as a postmaster, this was the time when people were going postal. So they were going after their postmasters and killing them. And my dad was dealing with all the anxiety and work and disgruntled employees and all this other stuff. So his blood pressure was high. So my mom says to us, kind of simply, boys, be good because your blood pressure's, the dad's blood pressure is high. If you're not good, blood pressure could get high. He could have a heart attack and die. So my brother, who's 14 at this time, just takes it nonchalantly. Me, oversensitive eight-year-old, says, if I'm not good, dad dies got to be good. And I interiorized in that moment that I had to basically be a perfect child, never disappoint my parents for them to be okay. Lies creeped in, like I have to be the perfect child. I can never disappoint my parents. I can never disappoint God. I always have to do things right. Um, I never have to disappoint them. I always have to make them proud of me because this is the only way, in a sense, in my little mind, that my dad's going to be okay. So as I went through Unbound, this stuff began to get, to start churning and come up. And um, Father Clockman invited uh, Father, uh, a couple other priests to help out, and they just did a prayer team around me and prayed with me, and we went through the lies, and we went through vows, and we went through areas where I needed forgiveness, and I went through general confession, and I felt like a different person at the end. Seriously? Yeah, and I needed it so much. I had no idea how much I needed this. With every person that I've had in direction and I talk about this stuff, they're like, yes. that's what I've needed all this yes. time. I had no idea that I had all this baggage I was carrying with me in my heart. And as I would notice things, I'm like, would you like to go through Unbound? 
Um, and for me, Unbound, for those who don't know a lot about it, is a process set up by Neil Lozano, who's a good Catholic man, but he does it for Catholics and Protestants, that allows people to be free from attachments, lies, vows, wounds from their past, uh, from any spiritual bonds or hurts that they've encountered in their lives. And it brings them to a whole new level of freedom and allows them to truly be free as children of God, to do what God wants them to do. Yeah. Okay, can you explain a little bit? Um, you, you've used attachments, lies, vows. Um, I think there was another word that you utilized. Um, wounds, uh, yes. spiritual ties. What are kind of the, what's the difference in some of those things? It's a great question. So think, for instance, with lies. So first of all, um, and what I'm going to be talking about, it comes not just from Unbound, but also from a guy named Bob Schutz, Dr. Bob Schutz. I love him so much. And Be Healed. Do you think he'll ever come on my podcast? (sighs) We need to invite him and we need to get him to our diocese as soon as we can. I totally agree. I also want him to talk to all the priests of the diocese. Yes, me too. a lot. Well, I tried to do this a couple of years ago and it just ended up not kind of working with the timing or whatever, but it's still so on my mind and on my heart. I love his work. His podcast has been phenomenal. The work that he's doing with the JP2 Healing Center is awesome. Restore the glory is his podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the idea of a wound is something traumatic happens in your life. And in that moment, um, we may make a vow at that moment in time. And a vow is like saying... I'm never going to do this, or I'm always going to do this. It's a way, it's like a protection mechanism. It's like a coping thing. A coping thing. So um, if you get hurt really badly and you don't want anyone to see that wound, you protect it, you cover it. You don't want them to go go to that place Mm -hmm. and poke it where it's just going to get worse. Sometimes with it comes particular lies. Now, lies are like, I'm not good enough. I'm dirty. I don't understand what's going on. Um, God doesn't love me. No one cares about me. It can be any number of things. Uh, but there's a lot of lies out there. The evil one, he repeats the same things over and over again. He's not very this, creative. No, he's not. But he has a really big playbook. Yeah. He's not creative, but he has a really big playbook. Yeah. Um, so we have to see at times what that looks like. Yeah. Then you have, um, with the the vows and the wounds, um, can also come, uh, well, there's the lies. And then there's also something called soul ties. This is something that's a little bit odd for some people, but a soul tie is something that can happen when you give your heart to someone else or you take from someone else um, something. And sometimes this can be through a relationship. Sometimes this can be through uh, a sexual bonding. Sometimes it can be um, through like a, just a weird, strange um, kind of friendship where someone's feeling used and so forth. Um, so within a soul tie, what happens is you renounce what you gave to that person or what they took from you in that moment to bring about that freedom. Um, and then there's also spirits. Now, when we're talking about spirits, I'm not saying like all out exorcism. Okay. But when we sin, when we sin or when people sin against us, sometimes we open windows or mm-hmm. doors. And as those doors and windows are opened, sometimes we have something that clings to us, mm-hmm. like enters into our heart and holds on to us. Mm-hmm. So if we have patterns of sin, um, whether it be like overeating or we have um, a sexual bondage of some sort, like an addiction, or we've had... Um, people who've hurt us or we have anger problems, sometimes those spirits come to nest in our hearts and we have to renounce them in that moment. And sometimes we've been so overcome, for instance, with rage of someone who's hurt us that we just give in to that rage. Sure. And in that moment, we open ourselves up to that rage to use us and to almost possess us in a sense. Now, huh. not the same sense as an exorcism. As it, right, but right. 
What happens with Unbound- But we lose our interior freedom. We do. We lose the interior freedom. And what happens with Unbound is it's actually known as like a self-exorcism in this sense. For real? Self-deliverance. Self-deliverance. Okay. So typically, and this this is a whole other topic, and I don't want to get too far down the rabbit trail. But- I'll bring you back. um, Typically, thank you. (laughs) Typically for like an exorcism, exorcisms only work with a priest who has been given authority by the church, by the bishop to do so. Um, However- Every single person has authority over themselves, over themselves to free themselves. Or if you're in a family unit, um, a husband has authority over his wife. A uh, wife has authority over husband to a certain extent, or they have authority over their kids to lead them through prayer and deliverance. Um, so as a priest, what I do with Unbound is I'm not exercising anyone, but I'm leading them to deliver themselves. Because there's no moment in, in Unbound, and if you listen to Lino Lozano, it's not like you're going to be like, Speak to me, spirit within the person. Tell right. me who you are. Right. And they'll look at you and be like, who do you think you're talking yeah. to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you want to get into this. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to get into this. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. Let's. Um, yeah. And you always come back to the person itself. Um, but what happens is you allow that person to renounce all of these things in their past. And the person who helps in Unbound is basically just facilitating this gift. Is they're praying with them and aiding them to find true freedom from their past. So they might notice things that that person doesn't notice because they're so caught up in their own life that they can't see the brokenness and the woundedness that they have. So a person looking from the outside might say, I think you have bondage in this area of your life. I think you need deliverance in this area, but you can do it. And mm-hmm. I want to show you how you can do it mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have like a million and one questions. Which direction do I go first? Okay. One of the, the things that's coming up for me um, that I would love for you to talk about is something that struck me a couple months ago. Um, I don't know if I was on a retreat or listening to something or whatever, but they were talking about the distinction between allowing things to come up and going and digging for things in ourselves. Mm-hmm. I, if that makes sense. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause what you're talking about, um, even in your experience going through this in college or, or in seminary, you were reading this book and these memories started to present themselves, right? It wasn't like, okay, I need to sit down and really think what area do I need to be healed from or whatever, right? And there- Is there a difference there? There is kind of a difference. One is the Lord is naturally bringing the memories to mind. It's like the Holy Spirit is guiding the meditation and the Holy Spirit is saying, you may or may not realize this, but you have a bondage in this particular area of your life. So I'll give you this example. Um, when I was on a retreat in the Black Hills in, in an incredible cabin Aww, out there. And I think I know was, this place. You might, you might, but we won't talk about that right now. <laughs> I was going for hikes, listening to some of these talks from Bob Schutz and realized that I had a particular bondage in my life. Hmm. Um, I had a particular sin that I was trying to deal with, but I didn't know where it began, where it found its source. And everyone in the course, the CD and so forth was saying, oh, God just revealed it to me. I was like, well, that's yeah, great for right. you, but God never reveals it to me. <laughs> yeah. He never shares it with me. So there's a, a sense of doubt and bitterness that was there, but sure. I began to pray. I began to pray, like, Lord, reveal this to me. If this is something that you want me to be freed from, reveal this to me. And I prayed all throughout the course of my retreat for that. And then one morning I woke up and memories just started flashing through my mind. And they were not necessarily happy memories. No, not super pleasant. Um, but I stopped for a moment and thought, he's doing it. He's revealing the Lord is revealing this stuff. And I got all excited and I ran out into the living room and I just started writing down everything in my journal that the Lord revealed to me. And I was like, I know where it started. I know where we began. 
that's one area where like the Lord reveals it to you and he shows it to you. Yeah. Now there's times when we kind of go digging, uh, but the difficulty is in that moment, we're trying to kind of make up or figure it out mm-hmm. ourselves mm-hmm. in place of the Lord revealing it naturally to mm-hmm. us. Um, there's not a terrible danger with it, but there can be because then we're just kind of imposing things. Well, maybe maybe I'm broken in this way or mm-hmm. that way. It's like a a person who thinks that they have every illness. Every illness that they research, they have. Mm-hmm. What's that called? Remember? Um, Is it hypochondriac? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah. It, it's like every everything they read about, they're like, yeah. oh, I've got that, and I've got that. I've, I've definitely got that. It, the same thing can happen spiritually if we're not careful. Yeah. But what happens in this moment is like the Lord shows us, this is where your wound is. This is where I want you to be healed. This, this is, is where I want I wa- to love you. I want to love you and bring yes. you freedom and allow you to use the gifts that I'm giving you right now to aid others. Yes. In losing, letting go of that brokenness yes. and receiving my power and grace. Yes. Um, so one of the other, oh gosh, this is so good. Um, <laughs> I, I'm so fascinated by the fact that you brought up soul ties because this this literally just came up last weekend um, f- with somebody. And I think I was first introduced to that concept maybe as a sophomore in high school or a sophomore in college. And I was like, okay, number one, I have never heard of this. But number two, it's giving language to it, an experience for me. Most definitely. And it just became really like... Oh, I started, you know, so I'm starting to see this. And then, and then, yeah, like I said, it, it came up just this last weekend, um, in another, in another instance. And I was like, is this a thing? Like, you know, like, is this a thing? Cause I don't hear it talked about a lot. And yet I can see in, in my life and other people's lives around me, good friends that have, you know, vulnerably shared with me, um, how this can kind of come about. And I admit, there's, I think there's, there's a spiritual reality and a psychological reality to some of these things. Yes. So specifically with soul ties, but then more broadly too, um, can you talk a little bit about how this is both a psychological and a spiritual something going on? Awesome. So let me affirm you completely. It is a thing. It's a thing. It's like a thing. <laughs> Even though people don't talk about it, it is it's a, a thing. It's totally a thing. It's a total thing. Yeah. Um. So let's start, even before the psychological part, let's start with just the physical part. So- um, so if you think of soul ties within um, a relationship of intimacy that two people have, say they're in high school and the two of them s- seemingly fall in love with each other and it can be real and true love, um, but before the time has taken place, the two of them share physically with each other um, what is meant only in matrimony. In that moment, what happens is physically there's chemicals that go through our system to bond us with that person because um, for most of us, we're meant to be with that person for the rest of our life. So you're giving a piece of yourself to that person in that moment physically. So psychologically, what happens is the bonding chemicals run through your system. And there's like- A little oxytocin. uh, Yes. And it's kind of an imprint. Like you see that person, you're like, I want to be with this person for a very long time, for the rest of my life. Now- Did you know that's the same hormone that is- Mothers have. That labor. Yeah, Yeah, that that labor. they have in labor. Yeah. Yeah, you get this massive flood of oxytocin. So you like bond to every nurse and- doctor and person in the room. <laughs> you, you do, know? but especially the baby. It's amazing. Especially yeah. the baby. Yeah, and especially but yeah, the baby. Totally, yeah. but it's, it's all on purpose. God has an incredible plan to bring that forward. Now, it's stronger for women than it is for men. That's mm-hmm. why men often sow their seeds. Gross. Stupid dudes. And, <laughs> Sick. Um, and then move on, whereas yeah. for women, there's this deep emotional attachment and, sure. and um, emotional sharing that's not just physical, but that is, is so deeply tied to loving the whole person. Yeah. 
So that happens on the psychological side. The spiritual side is you are making your soul available and in a sense, vulnerable to that person. Mm -hmm. And we are tying ourselves directly to that person mm -hmm. in, in a spiritual way. Um, now I could talk, talk about this with sexuality or with marriage, but I can also talk about this with friendship. Codependent friendships. Yeah, codependent friendships. Yes. But I mean, even good friendships. Oh, really? So one of our good friends, Jennifer Mosier. Yeah. I have an incredible gift with her. We did Totus Tuus back when I was in 2005 She's and amazing. 2006. Yeah. And I thank God for this, but- what happens every time I talk to her uh, with her is we go into the deep. Yep. Like she'll ask me how I'm doing and I'll tell her kind of superficially how I'm doing. And then she'll be like, okay, now, and how are you doing? Yeah. And I was like, I, I can't BS with you. Can't yeah. I? Yeah. Let's and I, deep and dive. we go deep because we have shared incredible moments. Nothing. Okay. Nothing I know. weird. No. Okay. None yep, of that I know. stuff. Yeah. But we've shared Real sacred, sacred, sacred friendship yeah. um, over the years. And because of that sacred friendship, like, it's an incredible gift to have friends like that, that I can enter in and there's, we can be so vulnerable spiritually and emotionally with each other and share what's on our hearts that we're like, we walk out of it saying, oh, I'm so glad I have this friendship. Yeah. I'm so glad that you can speak into my life mm -hmm. and you can say these things to me and my life can be changed because mm -hmm. of it. So that's a different kind of soul tie. Mm -hmm. um, but then it, there's also moments when things can be taken from us and a soul tie is established. When people come in, and they hurt us or they abuse us or they take something oh, from us in a deep way. And in a sense, they've stolen. They've ripped some piece of us from them at that, uh, from us and taken it from us in that moment. And those also oh gosh, have to I'm be I'm totally renounced. going down the Harry Potter horcrux route right now. You are. Reel me back and in. And it is a horcrux thing. Reel me back in. <laughs> yeah, it, it's totally a thing. I mean, for instance, when yeah. there's murder, when yeah. there's violence done against it's, us, yeah. there's a kind of soul tie there's that happens in that moment. And yeah. there's a damage to that person, but there's also damage to our own personal our soul. soul. Yeah. yeah, I knew you were going to go Gosh, hard Gosh, I'm route. sorry. I couldn't help it. I was trying. We are such nerds. I know. Sorry. What do you do? Welcome to the party. Okay, so you're saying soul ties in some in some instances can be good, like this connection. I, it's maybe that word wouldn't be a soul tie, but more of like a bond between a bond. Yeah. two people or whatever. And that's And actually in marriage... That is a soul tie. It is a soul tie. Yeah. So it's ah, not a bad thing. Okay. So yeah, think of this. So there's a gift so, so there. So there's some incredible gifts to it, but there's also moments when it can be dangerous. Um, so that's why we do need to be careful when we're vulnerable, mm -hmm. first of all. Um, but we also need to not be afraid to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So it's this incredible balance. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. So I want to go back to the psychological component that we were talking about a little bit ago. The distinction between or every... <laughs> I think everything is both spiritual and psychological. Don't you think? I do. Like we're not, I do. We're because not we separate can't, human beings. No, we can't. It's the total theology of the body aspect that our bodies are part of our, yes. uh, we're, we're directly tied between body, soul, and spirit all yes. combined. And we can't say that one does something and the other doesn't. Yes. Um, we're all in. Just yes. like with Jesus when he was in, in this world, his humanity and his divinity were both acting yep. simultaneously. Yeah. We can't d divide those yep. two. Yeah, yeah. I remember Dr. Greg Bataro, he came on, um, uh, I think season one and I had asked him this question cause I was really wanting to get at the heart of like, okay, what's the difference? How can you tell a spiritual problem versus a psychological problem? And he just was like, everything is both. Everything is both because grace builds on nature. 
Yeah. So there builds is and perfects this, the nature. Yeah. Yes. Totally. So I've just been on this journey of like a greater understanding of what that really looks like. Um, and so as you are talking about healing ministry or, or working through your own healing and then guiding others through it, um, what is that kind of, gosh, what does that look like, if you will, as you're kind of walking through with someone, because there are going to be these psychological realities that come up like anxiety, like you had named or maybe something else. Um, but there's also a spiritual connection to it. So it's, it's always going to be hand in hand where you do your best to give the psychological help that you can according to your capacity. As a priest, we need to be acutely aware of what we can't give. Yep. We can give spiritual help and we, but we also have to be careful not to spiritualize everything, everything. that's happening in a person's life. Yep. Uh, because sometimes there's things that are like, ooh, that's I I don't know what to do with that. I don't yeah. know where to go with that. I know you need help, but I'm not the one who can give you that help in this yeah. way. So I'd say see a counselor. Yeah, go to um, Catholic Family Services, for yes, example. Catholic Look at that. Sur- I heard they have a wonderful director. <laughs> I hear she's new. She's figuring it out. <laughs> she's 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 pretty good. She's pretty good from what I've seen. Yeah. Oh, funny. Um, so sending people in that direction, but. To say that we're going to divide it all out, we can't necessarily just like parcel things out. Yeah. So for instance, with the unbound model, there's five keys, five keys, five steps. The first is um, repentance and seeking forgiveness from God. Mm -hmm. Um, As Catholics, we have an incredible gift to do this within confession. Yes. But this is more of what's called a general confession, where you confess the sins of your entire life. Oh my gosh. From everything from the very beginning. Now, it's not meant to be this horrible, terrible, like, Oh my gosh, I'm so dumb, I'm stupid, how could I have done this? I'm so, I'm just like horrible. No, the idea is we begin to see patterns and we begin to see where certain areas of sin began in our life and at times it allows us to track it down to a particular lie or vow to say, when did that sin start? When did this area start in your life? And because you see the big picture, all of a sudden you're like, okay, that wasn't a sin you did. That was a sin someone did to you. And you reacted this way. You might have interiorized that that was a sin, but that wasn't yours. How often do people do a general confession? Um, a general confession is good is like every a... like every couple of years. Every wow. couple of years. If okay. you can with your spiritual director. Wow. If you have a spiritual director that you meet with monthly, it could be something that you do every couple of years or maybe every five years. Sure. Um, but it reveals so much. And most so people, much. I would say, don't have a spiritual director. They might have other people in their life that they're walking with and that kind of yeah. thing. So for those individuals... Might it be something where you would want to like make an appointment? Like if you feel called to do this. Totally. Now, if if you've ever, uh, if you have people who've ever gone through the 12 steps, like a 12 step program, uh-huh. like a general AA confession, or exactly like, that. like yep. AA, SA, OA, all of these AAs, AAs. AA yeah. programs. So yeah. Alcoholics Anonymous. All the, yeah. um, the fourth and fifth step is exactly this. So the fourth step is examine your entire life. The fifth step is find someone to confess it to. Yes. It's, it's so Catholic. Yes. So Catholic in yeah, this way. Really is. <laughs> it's awesome. And then after that immediate first step, which is a general confession, repentance of sins, you move on to giving forgiveness. Now we don't realize how mm. important this is, but we can carry with us these incredible burdens from our past of people that have hurt us that we could not forgive or never sure. desired to forgive. Sure. And in those moments, it's not saying that we forgive them completely and totally perfectly in any sense. There's a simple formula that Lozana has, which is, in the name of Jesus, I forgive this person for this thing that they did to me. So, um, in the name of Jesus, I forgive my brother for hitting me in the head multiple times when I was a little kid. 
in the name of Jesus, I forgive my big brother for accidentally dropping me on my head, which is probably why I have a lot of the issues in my life. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think he did that, that no, I know I'm of. just kidding. Um, yeah. But it's, there's simple things and there's heavy things that you can go through. And what I notice is as people go through the stage, the tears just come and they realize just how much they've held on to all of these people who have hurt them and broken them and taken advantage of them and used them in their lives. And they're able to just let go. Wow. We have no idea how important this is, but how many times did Jesus say, forgive others as you forgive, or yep. you will be forgiven yep. as to the extent that you yeah. forgive others. Yeah. And that's because it's one of the deepest forms of slavery that we have in our lives, yes. grudges, which as the old adage says, um, a grudge is when you take poison and affect it to hurt the other person. Wow. So that's yeah. what we're doing. When you drink the poison. When we drink the poison. That's what we do with the grudge. So that's yep. the area where we need that freedom. Yeah. The third step is then looking at lies, vows, spirit ties. Um, and um, also if there's um, those sins or those spirits that have entered yeah. into our lives. Yeah. And there's uh, resources available on the Heart of the Father, which is Neil Lozano's website that people can go to that have these, but it has all the lies, all of the vows, yep. or a lot of the vows. It has all of these spirits, and they often are part of families. So yep. like gluttony might have intemperance or alcoholism or addictions, things like that. And you renounce each one individually. In the name of Jesus, I renounce this spirit. In the name of Jesus, I renounce this spirit. Um, or in the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie. Yeah. Um, that I'm always going to be a heavily bearded Catholic priest. <laughs> That's actually not a lie. I would like to be a heavily bearded Catholic priest yes. for the rest of my life. Yes. Um, yeah. But it's taking the time to to let go of those. Yeah. I yeah. love that you're saying to name it. That's something yes. Father Joe will regularly talk to me about just uh, – yeah, at different times where if I'll bring something up, he'll say, okay, give it a name. You know, so what would you point. name it? And to and to help me, uh, yeah, put language, again, like put, putting language to an experience and then allowing uh, the Lord to kind of pinpoint it, I think, in our lives is so helpful. It's so important. Yeah. Um, I use this analogy a lot that a spirit or some of the fears that a lot of people have are like that boogeyman that's in the closet. Mm. So for a lot of kids, they'll look in their closet during the middle of the night and they'll be like, oh my gosh, it's a monster. And what happens, say it's your daughters, they call in dad, dad turns on the light and says to his daughters, come out of bed and let's look at it. And as soon as they look at it, they're like, oh, it's like a jacket hanging in yep. the corner and it yep. just looked like something like yep. that. And as soon as they're able to name it, the fear is, no is gone. Now, there are some things that really are fearful, that really are scary in our lives. But as soon as we know what it really is, then we can confront it. Then we can bring it into the light of Christ and he can conquer it for us. Yes. But so often when we do this stuff, we think that we have to conquer it by ourselves yeah. or we're going to be overwhelmed. No, Jesus is fighting right yeah. alongside of us. Yeah. So third step was that the renouncing of all the spirits, the lies. And the reason that Unbound is typically done with someone else with us, whether it be a priest or someone who's been equipped through Unbound, is that if they notice as they're praying something else is present, they can bring that up and say, do you think you need to renounce this spirit mm. or this lie? Mm -hmm. Do you think this vow is something that you've done in the past? And I've done that with people and they're like, how do you know? Well, it's just like the Lord gave me that insight in this moment. It's not me. It's he had this insight. Yeah. So let's bring it before him yeah. and let's renounce it. And then after all that's renounced, then the fourth key is um, so important. It's binding and 
um, renouncing and basically throwing and thrusting all of these down to hell where yep. they belong. Um, and every one of us, because of our baptismal um, gifts that we've received, has the ability to do so. Yes. So in the, the name of I, Jesus. In the name hell. of Jesus, um, I tie, I bind, and I, um, I cast. Cast. Yeah, we can we can say that word. There's there's more specific vocabulary and terminology that they sure. used. Um, but for for those particular areas in our life, and I close any doors that I may have mm, opened. Yes, close, close the any door. doors that yeah. I've opened. Oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot one other thing that was very important. One of the other things that we renounce is if we've ever been involved with the occult, if we've ever played with Ouija boards, done things with horoscopes, um, if we've ever spent time with like um, soothsayers or tarot or... cards or div diviners or even things that we think are stupid as a young kid where we're like, oh, Bloody Mary. That kind of stuff opens up doors. Sure. So we renounce those as well to close off all of those particular areas. Yeah. Yeah. So all of those are renounced. They're bound. They're uh, cast into hell. And then this is the part that we often forget is so important is the blessing of the Father. Yes. So the fifth step is the blessing of the Father. Um, now, all of this is revolving around one very basic spiritual principle that Jesus says in the Gospels. If you exercise a demon and you don't put anything in its place, it comes back with seven worse demons and finds the place well swept and comes back in. Oh, son so, of a biscuit. A biscuit? <laughs> I don't know what a son of a biscuit is, but that's that's a good good phrase. Um, <laughs> oh, it just came out of my mouth. Let's yeah. see if I can bleep that out. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Um, but what happens is we get rid of all of this junk, but we're used to the junk. We default to the junk. Yeah, it's been part wow. of how we've lived in our wow. lives. Um, when I talk with people who've dealt with like um, a basic problem with physically, so. We'll use this example. Say you have a blister on your toe. How do you begin to walk because you have a blister on your toe? You walk on the side of your foot. So you walk on the side of your foot. How does that change how your leg is 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 walking as oh, you walk? Oh, it causes all kinds of problems. And it then does that change how your muscles. spine yeah. and everything is? Yeah, it wreaks havoc. Okay, wreaks complete and total havoc because you overcompensate. What happens once that toe is healed? You still keep walking on the side of your foot. Yes, until you're used. I married until a physical therapist. Yes, she did. <laughs> I knew she'd know this stuff. Um, but it takes time for us to readjust. Yeah. But the same thing happens spiritually. Hmm. If we've been living out of a sense of woundedness and brokenness and we believe, believed a lie for an entire life, we have to- We start operating out of that lie. Operating out of the lie. So we have to operate out of the truth. So what happens in the blessing of the Father is we speak truth into the heart of the person and fill them with the grace and the love of God in that moment, yes. which they so deeply need. And then it's to give them the tools that whenever they notice that that lie is creeping back in their life or that vow or those things to renounce it right away. Yes. Don't wait. Don't yes. wait. Right and I have one gal who I love so much who I've walked with in this process. Um, she had been actually in um, sex and work trafficking. She had been trafficked. Um, but as she came out of all of this stuff, she now helps so many people. Wow. What's incredible though, is as I walked her through this whole process, she always thought that somebody else had to do it for her, a priest or a bishop or somebody else. And I said, no, you can do this process. So as she would notice in her own life that a lie was coming back in or a vow, uh -huh. she would just say, be gone, Satan. <laughs> Sound like an incredible evangelical preacher. Oh, totally. Be like, yeah. I cast you out in the name of Jesus, be gone. And she would it. do this at her house. Yeah. And she'd be like, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. And I'm just like, you are so good. Freedom. Yes, freedom. Yeah. Um, and she was able to feel that freedom in her life again. 
And I'm so happy that she found that freedom. Yes. Um, one of the greatest gifts that I have as a priest or as a spiritual director at times is to see people reach new levels of freedom. Yes. When you see, like, if they walk out of the confession, they walked in like they're carrying 100 pounds on their shoulders. And yep. they walk out straight with their back aligned and something not just spiritually but physically and emotionally and something psychologically has, changed. has happened. They're a different person. They're changed. They're changed. Oh, man. It's so awesome. Have you heard the song, uh, The Father's House by Corey Asbury? It has been my jam. I'll text it to you. Okay, please do. It is so good. But uh, but everything that you're talking about is just reminding me of that. Like, he just talks about, like, love is on the move when the father's in the room kind of thing. And he's talking about just the father's blessing mm -hmm. and how it can radically change the human person. So I'll, I'll name that in the show. That'd notes be cool. Too, but as, as you're talking about that, one very, very good song for understanding the lies that come into us mm -hmm. is actually Dear Wormwood by the Oh Hellos. Oh, the Oh Hellos. Oh Hellos. So yeah. they did a song based off of the screw tape letters. Yeah. That song by the Oh Hellos is phenomenal in this because it talks about the lies that the evil one's speaking to us. At the end of the song comes this moment of realization. Like, I know who you are. Yeah. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. I know who you are now. Yeah. You got it. Yep. So in that moment, there's this deep realization. And I name you my enemy. Isn't that I the next line? And I name you my enemy. So Yes. Yeah, okay, is. I'll include that in the in the show notes yeah. too for people. Yes. Um, maybe a little YouTube link or whatever. Because totally. yeah, it's so good. Okay, Father, last question for you. I ask every guest that comes on Lead Him to Life, what is a question that you have been pondering? And this really comes from um, you know me, like just this desire to dig a little bit deeper. This is a place with more questions than answers. And by asking the Lord, hey, is there anything that you want to heal in me? For example, there's this whole world that kind of can open up. So I want to know if there's a question that you have been pondering. It can be big, little, silly, serious, or anything in between. It's a deep question, but it's a good one. Um, is how do you want to make me a better father, Lord? Um, part of this comes from something that happened this last October and you already know about it. Um, my father passed Yeah. and after my father passed, um, just lots of memories started mm -hmm. to shoot through my mind and to play out in my heart. And it's, it's been an interesting process because I often found myself processing in my homilies in the counseling work that I'm doing and so forth. And I often find myself like hearing the words of my dad when he was proud of me or when he affirmed me. But I, I want to be that for others. How, how can I be a good father to others, for my parishioners, for the people that I serve? And another book by Neil Lozano is called Abba's Heart, mm -hmm. um, which really unpacks the aspect of blessing. But as I've been reading through this book, I've been realizing, first of all, that I was blessed with a really good father, a really good father, a really good father. But there's this deep desire to want to be a good father to others. Um, as I was just mentioning yesterday in the homily, in which they, you know, Jesus is saying, you know, you should name no man on earth father. Well, the truth is, he wasn't saying that in a sense like we need to seek after that name. But I always say that when I was first called a father, Father Christopher, it was a name I had to earn. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just something I was. It was something I had to earn. I had to learn what it meant to be a father to others. And to be a true father, I had to learn how to be a son. Um, but the, the big question for me now is saying, Lord, how do you make me a better father um, so that I can love the people who are in my life as a father would love them? Mm -hmm. 
We should make a little quote card that says, in order to learn how to be a father, I had to learn how to be a son. That's so good. Father, thank you so much for sharing your passion, your insights, your your heart for this. It's just, it's so beautiful. Friends, this needs to be shared with the world. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's such richness, uh, I think, to everything that we're talking about today. And I would love for you to share it with a friend. Uh, or someone that you think it would bless um, abundantly because there's there's always more freedom to be had. And maybe I'll have Bishop DeGroot on to talk about interior freedom. That's really, oh, totally. that'd be his These heart. These ties so, so well yeah, together. Yeah. What um, um, Jacques Philippe has to say about this yes. ties directly in yes. with everything that's present within yes. Unbound. Yes. So. All right, friends, share this episode with somebody that you think would benefit from it, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>